Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the D2 Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, JP, and researcher for everything I can figure out about D2 Women's Basketball. This week, I will do the usual recap of games I saw and the games I didn't but just interested me. I will talk about games that I think will have an impact on this season. I will also run down the conference and regional standings. I will also talk this week about some of the players I see that are having big seasons so far and making big impacts for their teams. To start it off, I want to talk about the Glenville State versus Fairmont State game that I got a chance to watch this past week. This game was of interest to me because I haven't watched Glenville yet this year, and last week they scored 126 points in a game, so I wanted to see what was going on. Fairmont, I, I have also not watched play, but they do have a 6-2 and two record, so on paper they look like they might be pretty good. As I watched the teams getting ready for the opening tip, I noticed there was not a lot of size on either team. That's not unusual at the D2 level, but still worth noting. Jalen Gibbs for Fairmont seemed to be the tallest amongst the starters on either team. If you have listened to my previous podcasts, You've heard me talk about how Glenville subs players at every stoppage of play, and this game was no different. Six seconds into the game, coach Kim Stevens of Glenville subbed in three fresh players for three who I can only assume were exhausted from their run from the half court to the free throw line on defense. Okay, obviously I'm joking about those players being exhausted, as that is not the reason for the subs. Glenville plays a game that is very chaotic for the teams they're playing against. The constant subbing of players further confuses Glenville's opponents. Fairmont stayed reasonably close the first half being down seven. Sorry, Fairmont stayed reasonably close through the first half, being down 17 to 13 at the end of one and 44 to 33 at the end of the second. In the second half, however, things got away from them with the Glenville pressure causing turnovers, unforced errors, and bad shots. Three minutes into the third, Glenville had a 21-point lead, and three and a half minutes later, they had a 31-point lead. I think the difference in this game is that Glenville is used to playing at this hyper-fast pace, running up and down the court and never slowing down. Glenville turns the ball over a lot, but they also get a lot of points off of turnovers as they are excellent in transition and the running game. They are excellent passers on the move and in this game Glenville had 23 assists and Fairmont only had eight and Glenville's ability to make points on the move is how they built that big lead. Okay, enough about Glenville State and on to some other interesting games. I tuned in to see the RMAC leading Colorado School of Mines play Black Hill State University. Mines was 7-1 and and Black Hill State was 8-1. This game was played in Golden, Colorado at Mines and the ore diggers looked right at home. They got out to an early lead and never looked back. The score was 23-6 at the end of the first quarter and never really got any closer than that for the rest of the game. By the end it was 75-47 win for Mines and this win puts them all alone at the top of the RMAC as the only undefeated team in conference play. Sammy Van Sickle was big for them again, as she does it all for the Ore Diggers, 
Ben Sickle had 19 points and 10 rebounds for a double-double and added five steals for good measure. Megan Van de Graaff also had a double-double for the Mines in their victory. On Sunday, I watched fifth-ranked Union take on Valdosta State. This game lost a little of its luster because previously unbeaten Union lost on Friday night to West Florida. For the game against Valdosta, Union was without starter Bethany Dillard and starting center Allie Winnen, who went out in Friday's game two minutes in with an injury. Playing without two starters is tough when going up against a strong opponent such as Valdosta. Union was plagued with turnovers early, and Valdosta got out to an eight-point lead. It wasn't until 3.37 left in the first that Union scored their first basket. The quarter ended 16-9 in Valdosta's favor. In the second, Valdosta returned the favor when Union implemented a press and turned the ball over four consecutive possessions. This allowed Union to tie the game at 18, and then the teams traded baskets for the rest of the half, ending it with Union up 26-25 at the break. Valdosta won the third quarter, and that ended with them in the lead 41-36. The game remained close, however, and Union was able to tie it up 42-42 in the fourth. After that, Valdosta made some shots and was able to build a six-point lead and win the game 60-54. Valdosta did it with team effort, where six players scored 54 of their 60 points, and the high scorer of that group only had 10, and the low score of that group had eight. The big game this week was number three ranked and unbeaten Missouri Southern State versus 17th ranked and unbeaten Central Missouri in a conference game played on Central Missouri's home court. The game saw Central Missouri build up a 15-point lead over three quarters, but in the fourth, it got interesting. Missouri Southern State, behind the effort of Lacey Stokes, 31 points, 6 assists, and 0 turnovers, came all the way back to cut the lead to 1 point with a minute left. Central Missouri, however, would hold on for a 2-point win, 73-71, behind the effort of Brooke Luttrell, who scored 24 points and 16 rebounds. The outcome of this game will surely impact the rankings both nationally and regionally, as well as the MIAA conference standings, as the rankings discussed on today's podcast came out prior to this game. Now let's check out those new rankings for the week. I will be looking at the WBCA rankings, so be aware that the D2 CIDA is a little bit different. Grand Valley State is still ranked number one, winning both their games by almost 50. Ashland is now number two, winning comfortably in both of their games. Number three is now Missouri Southern State after they beat University of Central Oklahoma by 11 and Newman by 47. Minnesota State Mankato has moved from six to four behind their wins over Augustana and Wayne State, Nebraska. Drury has moved from seventh to fifth and Glenville has moved from eighth to sixth. West Texas A&M was number two and they have dropped to the seventh spot after their loss to Texas A&M Kingsville. WT is currently playing without one of their main players, Zamory Roberts. Eckerd College was ninth and is now eighth. Undefeated Tampa was tenth and is now ninth. Western Washington has moved back into the top ten at the number ten spot.
There was a lot of shakeup this week in the rankings due to three of the top 10 teams losing. WT lost to Kingsville, but was able to stay in the top 10. But Union, who had been the fifth ranked team in the country, lost twice, and they dropped all the way to number 20. Keeping an eye on the unbeaten teams, that number has dropped to 10 teams down from four from last week. Who will be the next to be knocked off? This week, I would like to shine the spotlight on a couple of players who have started the season off with big numbers. The first player is Jamie Tham for Tusculum. The Tusculum Pioneers are 10-1, and, and Jamie is a large part of the reason why. Jamie is a six-foot transfer player coming from D2 Barton College, where last year Barton went 28-2 on the season, with Tham being named first-team all-conference and second-team all-region. Okay, that's enough about last year. I'm here to talk about what she's doing this year. So far this season, she has had a double-double in all 11 games by averaging 18.3 points a game and 13.3 rebounds a game. Another player starting the season off right is Abby Spurgeon from Hawaii Pacific. Abby is also a transfer student. She's from West Texas A&M where she played four years prying to prior to sitting out last season, then going to Hawaii Pacific this season as a grad transfer. At WT, she scored over 1,000 points and had over 500 rebounds. She was named first-team all-conference and second-team all-region, as well as Lone Star Conference tournament, MVT, tournament MVP in her time at WT. Hawaii Pacific is having a so-so season starting out 3-3, three and three, but Spurgeon is off to a flaming hot start. Through six games, she has averaged a whopping 27.2 points per game to lead the nation in scoring. She has also added 8.3 rebounds a game. Before I end, I want to briefly run down the top teams in each region. IUP, Missouri Southern State, West Texas A&M, Lenore Rhine, and Western Washington were all number one in the respective regions last week and are again in the top spot this week. Grand Valley State and Ashland are both still tied for number one in the Midwest region. Assumption has taken over the number one spot from Damon after their loss. And Tampa has taken over the number one spot in the South after Union lost two games and dropped, dropped to fifth in the region. Some games to look forward to next week, Montana State Billings, Traveling to Lubbock, Texas to take on Lubbock Christian looks interesting to me, and if I get a chance, I will check it out and report back. I'm also interested to see what happens in the Hawaii Pacific against Western Washington game, as I'm curious if Abby Spurgeon can put up those huge offensive numbers that she has been posting so far this season against WWU, one of the top defensive teams in the country. West Texas A&M will go to Tampa to play the Spartans in a battle of teams currently first place in their respective regions. As always, I will be checking all the scores and rankings to see if anything interesting pops up so I can let you know what's happening. Have a great week, D2 women's basketball fans, and please tune in next week to hear more about this great sport. JP signing off.